Welcome to the Startup Launchpad Podcast. I'm your host, Carl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. So um, welcome, um, everyone. It's a pleasure to have you guys, and thanks for accepting our invitation to come on board. It's good to have you, um, Mohammed, um, David, um, Florence, and um, Ahmad. Well, thank you for having us and uh, making this session um, ready to engage in this conversation and happy to connect with all the speakers here. Exactly, exactly. So um, I think let's just dive right in. So the topic for this week's session is um, how to get investors interested in your startup. So before I dive into like all the questions I have for today and the discussion we're going to have, let me just do a brief introduction of my speakers today. So I will be starting with um, David Adeboye. So David Adeboye is a venture analyst at Amo Angels, a new inclusive fintech in London, UK, supporting entrepreneurs to overcome their funding challenges. He has a year of experience in analyzing startups and scale-up firms and seeking potential investment opportunities for clients investors. David sees tech-based innovation and creativity as the most powerful tool any entrepreneur can have into this ecosystem. He offers efficient and effective means to help clients increase sales and develop startups and growth stage opportunities. So yeah, David, thank you for coming on board. We um, really appreciate. So glad to be here. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Glad to, you know, looking forward to connect with everyone on here. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So our next speaker is um, Ahmad Mokhtar. He's a venture analyst at VFund, an investment management platform that helps investors to automate, source, screen, and manage startup portfolios. At VFund, he's saddled with the responsibility of building product to accelerate the fundraising process. Ahmad has a keen interest in helping startups and working on hard problems, actually. He also has a strong passion for strategy and products. Thank you for coming on board, Ahmad, and I'm looking forward to everything you have to share on this topic. Yeah, hey, Elton, thank you for the invitation. And hello, everyone, thank <laughs> you for making the time to be here. You're welcome. So let me move on to the third speaker. So um, the third speaker is uh, Mohammed. So Mohammed is an investment analyst at Savio Ventures, a venture capital firm that invests um, in early stage companies and stays close to founders through the turbulent first year. They also support them in their growth phase and advise them on their future paths. Prior to joining Savio, he served as an investment banking analyst at Impaxis Capital, a leading boutique investment bank in West Africa. In this role, he actively contributed to the execution of mergers and acquisitions and debt capital markets transactions within the region. And Mohammed developed a deep passion for startup investing back in 2019 
after being introduced to the industry while working in um, DACA Network Angels. And in, an angel investor network follows, focused on early stage startups in Francophone Africa. Thanks once more, um, Mohammed, for coming on board. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah. So on to my last speaker. That will be Florence. So um, Florence is a senior investment analyst at Stalanton. He has five years of experience in financial advisory and management consulting, supporting small, medium, and large companies, investment funds, and other strategic investment partners in sub-Saharan African region. As a senior analyst at Stalanton, Florence is involved in pipeline sourcing, due diligence on potential companies, investment committee, committee approval, and disbursement of funds. Additionally, he carries out post-investment monitoring and is involved in developing relationships with strategic partners. Florence is passionate about building value-led investments, specifically faith-driven social impact ventures. He's also an advocate for sustainable or socially responsible investing. In his free time, he enjoys reading and outdoor sports. Having lived in different parts of Africa, Florence can fluently communicate in English, French, Swahili, and Kurundi. Florence, I really appreciate you taking the time out to come on board for our session today. So uh, let me just dive right in. So yes, I made mention that the topic for today is how to get investors interested in your startup. Like this topic is actually a very broad topic. I had when coming up with this topic, I came up with like several questions that I was going to ask um, the facilitators, but truthfully, won't be able to ask everything. So I like just streamlined into like eight very important ones that came to my head. And I think our discussions would be around this and we also try not to be too rigid with like questions and also have like the speakers chipping things that they feel are very important so yes i usually start with an icebreaker question and i am not going to like direct this to like any particular person as we keep on going and my direct questions more specifically so i'm throwing an open question as related to our topics on how to get investors investors interested in your startup so the question is this so what was the most interesting or unique pitch you've heard from a startup seeking investment and what made it stand out for you? I'm going to direct questions more specifically as we move on. But for now, I just want to throw that one out. Okay, thank you very much. So um, in my one-year experience at um, AMU, so I, I've come across many pitch decks and um, the thing that stands out for me and um, gets my interest the most, oh, there are actually quite few. One, I look at the solution that you're offering because the solution obviously is, is what you're trying to sell. So apart from that, I try to look at the, uh, the way the pitch slides are um, constructed, the structure, how warm is the color. Because and how concise the wordings are, because when you're trying to give me a pitch deck, for instance, as an investor, I'm trying to I must be able to understand 
at the at the first glance that okay, this is what you're trying to tell me. So I think simplicity is the main thing for me. How simple and uh, how concise are your words? How do you pass your message? Can I understand? Even if I'm an investor outside the, the industry you operate in, we like to be able to relate to what you're trying to offer to the market. So I think simplicity is it for me in everything when I look at the pitch deck. Another investor, another investor should be able to, um, who is outside the industry operating, should be able to understand what you're offering the target audience. So I think that's it for me amongst many other things. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. I think you nailed it. And I would just build on that. I think uh, a clear deck should have both uh, good substance and form. So this, the, the form um, should be, I mean, the deck should be well-designed and digestible, meaning that in less than one minute, the, the investor should be able to grasp all the information in the, in the deck. And in the in the substance, uh, you have quite a few points to go over. So you have the uh, so you have the problem first, and then you have the the solution. You have the market, and something I see really often in the market is that they usually give a huge market sizing. And for instance, I, I will just give an example. Uh, for instance, for an, a, a new bank in Uganda, uh, you would not give uh, the market for mobile banking in Africa, which is actually huge. It's $500 billion. You would uh, do a market sizing that's more precise to give uh, a more precise uh, market sizing to the investor showcasing that you really understand your market. After that, you have the business model, the traction, and so on. And basically, you, uh, what I'm trying to say is that uh, you need to have all those informations compact in a deck, which is no longer than, I would say, seven slides, and which can be digestible and understandable uh, for any investor. All right, thank you for what you shared, Mohammed, and also David. I see. Yeah, adding to that, if you can also share like a slogan in the in the front slide, if you can just tell what's what the startup actually do in like one or two lines maximum, and the investors can get that easily, it can make all the difference. It can just be interested in the startup in like uh, an instance and have it in their mind in their background uh, so when they are screening like hundred startups they would remember you just by seeing your name because they remember the slogan all right thank you for adding that Ahmad so I think you guys already touched a bit on what I wanted to ask next but I just noticed nobody mentioned like a particular startup that actually stood out um, for them while like trying to um, review a lot of pitch decks and all. Do you guys have, does any of the FIM speakers have any startup that like really stood out in terms of like their pitch deck amongst many? Yes, um, you guys probably haven't heard about it. So the startup, they are based in um, London. 
and um, I think Belgium too. So we currently raised for them. We currently raised about um, two hundred fifty thousand pounds, uh, and we closed that round. It's the proceed round. We closed it, um, I think, two months ago. So there's a name of the startup is called Omove. It's a prop tech company. A prop tech company. So you guys can just check it out just to have more insight on what they do. But yeah, Omove is the name. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, David. Thank you for adding that. So let me go on to my next questions and every other specific questions I have. So yes, we've mentioned like some things that you should have in your deck, how like concise your deck should be. So yes, um, Ahmad and David Mohammed, you've talked about like how precise and concise the pitch deck should be. So apart from like the general understanding of what um, should be in your pitch deck, how you should put the market size and all of that, are there some creative creative ways that you feel stand up, um, startup can actually stand out to potential investors, bearing in mind that these investors get to see a very large number of decks almost every day? So even if you're building something like really good, that doesn't mean you're going to like grab their attention. So I just like thoughts on creative ways that founders can do this. So I'm going to start with Ahmad, then Mohammed, then David. So Ahmad, please over to you. I think Ahmad is disconnected. So probably Mohammed, you can start this one. Yes, sure. Um, so I don't know if it's a creative way. But I believe that a startup should have a unique value proposition. Uh, for instance, I see a lot of fintechs that propose bookkeeping solutions to, to SMEs, uh, exactly the same value proposition, which is to help those SMEs to better um, uh, manage their finances and have visibility on their operations. And also their roadmap is usually very similar. Uh, in the sense that their their aim is to gather enough data, and then able to, and then be able to score those SMEs and provide them loans. So when I come across a startup with that approach, uh, I, there is no excitement. So there is nothing new. So I think having a, a unique value proposition uh, is really key to getting the the investor in excited about about your startup okay david please you can go ahead well i don't know why we're having issues bringing um florent and ahmad on okay um thank you very much um so i'm just going to add or let me see paraphrase what muhammad has spoken about so personally based on the little thing that i know i don't think there's anything more creative than having an innovative idea because I believe the creativity is in the innovation. So the only thing that stands out to investors, which I believe will stand out to investors, is your unique and innovative idea. I'm just trying to like paraphrase what he, what he said. So there's nothing as creative as having an innovative idea. What's creativity? Trying to do something in another way, you know, to achieve a better result. So there's a problem already. People are trying to address it. But you are not coming with an innovative idea that, yes, this is the way to address this problem with the least cost and the maximum benefit. So personally, I think there's nothing more more creative than having an innovative idea. Another way too is having a clear and well thought out business plan. Do you understand? And also some other point is, you know, showcasing your experience and your level of expertise in the industry. 
So I think those are like the top things in, in um, being very creative and um, to make your um, your startup stand out in the in the presence of an investor or to potential investors. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Stressing the importance of um, unique value proposition. So Ahmad, are you with us now <laughs> or you? Yes, I can hear you now. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I dropped off for a minute. So do you want yeah, to add it okay. to Okay, I would add to Muhammad is after having the innovative idea, after having the idea that would eventually work out, um, it's important to keep your social media platforms uh, active uh, to make sure they are compelling and inviting to uh, investors and customers, especially LinkedIn and Twitter. You would be surprised how many startups apply uh, for screening without having like a LinkedIn uh, profile and Twitter that is clear and st- states clearly what they, what, what they are doing. And of course, this falls short in the screening process. Uh, also participate in events and fairs uh, to show uh, that your company is validated by the community. Uh, it's validated by, by others. <laughs> this is definitely... Uh, a plus and a positive uh, signal for investors to follow on with your uh, startup. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for that. Uh, okay. Let's I go just ahead. want to chip in. Um, it's great to have an innovative solution, but then you need to have a large market also. Because if right. you have an innovative solution and you don't have a large market, then there is no excitement for the for the investor to to make an investment, and uh, uh, the partner of Ferrot Keppel uh, made an analogy uh, in one of his panels, saying that um, the founders should have very big vision, backed by a realistic addressable market, and we are looking for Masai Mara, not Nairobi's uh, national park. And uh, for those who know, for those who live in Kenya, Masai Mara is a huge uh, reserve and uh, the, uh, the Nairobi National Park is a lot smaller. So I don't know if you get the analogy, but uh, your market should be huge, but at the same time, realistic. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for that. I also see that Florent has finally been able to join. So Florent, do you want to like add something and i really want to hear your your answer to my first question i talked about like if there's any particular pitch or startup you've seen that really caught your attention through your like journey as an investment analyst let me just go ahead to my next question we've talked about unique value proposition we've talked about having a creative um solution and innovative idea but still going for a large market and even in that large markets focusing on your addressable markets Thank you very much for all the points that has been shared. So let me go ahead to ask my next question. So we've we've heard of like in investing. You talk about getting money from family and friends, getting like bootstrapping before going to angel investors or before going to VC or even later on in, in the long line thinking of like private equity and all of that. But there are, there are a good number of founders that try to like get investments even when they are still in like the ideation stage without like um, showing like proven traction. So I want to know your thoughts on how important it is to demonstrate traction 
and have a proven um, business model when seeking for investments. And apart from like traction and a proven business model, like other things that you deem are like important. I would start this time with David. I would go to Mohammed just because of this attitude that I've been very steady then. Um, Ahmad, then lastly, Florence. David, please go ahead. Thank you very much once again. So um, how important is demonstrating traction in the program of business model when seeking investment? And also what other things you should show. Uh, of course, demonstrating traction and improving business model is very important. But um, other things you might need to show you, like they include like a clear, I said this before, and concise speech and um, that highlights uh, your unique selling point. Like your pitch has to state that thing that makes you stand out amongst other competitors and counterparts. So that's the main thing. And also um, a strong team with relevant experience. You don't want to bring on somebody who doesn't have the you know, the um, experience you need. Maybe probably your CFO or your uh, you know your co-founder or other part other people in the team. You want, to bring, you want to form a solid team to scale up your startup. And also, another thing is um, a solid understanding, you know, a deep understanding of your target market and your competition. Too. So I think um, those are some points amongst other many other things. So uh, I'll leave that for now and let the other speakers talk. All right, thank you, thank you very much for that. For stressing something, you pointed out something you had talked about even from the start, and I appreciate that. Uh, Muhammad, uh, would you go ahead to answer? And please, I would appreciate if you can talk about like founders that are still in ideation um, stage and want to like reach out to VC for funding. So, Muhammad, please. Yes, absolutely. Well, to to answer your your question about. Uh, if we look at only the, the traction and the proven business model, I think it really varies depending on the stage. So if it's pre-seed, I won't really look at traction. I would rather focus on the quality of the team, like David said, and yeah. uh, the relevance of the product built for the market addressed and also the size of the market. And uh, actually traction becomes more and more relevant as the startups uh, the startup grows and uh, raise more advanced rounds um, and also good traction is is one of the key elements uh, for a proven business model and uh, something i wanted to to add um, because i i identified four key um, steps i would say uh, for the startup journey to, to funding. The first one would be uh, to do a lot of networking and make your uh, make yourself a name in the ecosystem. So for that, you can go to events. Uh, you can uh, also use LinkedIn, which is a great platform to network. And um, doing so, uh, you can get an intro uh, from your connections to an investor because um, I really, I found out that cold emails do not really work. So um, as a reference, 
most of the startups, I mean, all of the startups in our portfolio, um, they did not come from cold emails. So you really need to uh, network and try to get one of your connections to intro you to to an investor, whether it's an angel investor or a VC. Uh, so second second uh, point will be uh, when you get that intro, you send an email in the concise deck. Uh, third point is uh, the most important, I think, is the intro call with the investor where you need to be well prepared and uh, be very articulate and actually you need to to be able to present like you are talking to a 13 year old kid because most of the of the vcs in africa they are quite agnostic so for myself for instance i don't know about all the all the sectors in africa so when i speak to a founder for instance that's doing um, I don't know, AI or um, a field that I don't know nothing about. I want him to explain uh, his, his, uh, his venture in a concise way and in an easy way to understand. So that was the third point. And fourth point is to be able to, to manage the, the, the following calls after the first uh, intro call and uh, get through the diligence phase to be to be able to close the deal. All right, thank you very much. So um, let me just reiterate what you said. <laughs> and uh, Just let me know if I missed anything, but I believe I got you right. So the first key thing is um, the networking and how important like warm introductions are compared to like the cold outreach and all of that. And after like networking and being able to like get a warm introduction to an investor, you can go ahead to like email them a very concise deck. And also after like emailing them the concise deck, you have a higher chance of like getting responses, which leads you to like that introductory call. <laughs> and I really agree with you when you talk about how you should present your slide or whatever you're building in a very simple manner. Uh, we get to notice something that sometimes people try to use a lot of, I, I wouldn't say jargons, but <laughs> English that cannot be easily relatable with. It's nice to explain in a very simple manner. And if you can explain in a simple manner, it's easier for the other person you're communicating to to actually understand what you're saying. And lastly, after that introductory call, manage the um, follow-ups right. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So yes, let me go ahead to my next question. And this time I will start with um, Mohammed, then Ahmad, then David. So this question is, what are some um, miscon misconceptions that founders have as regards to what investors are looking for? And how do you think these um, misconceptions can be addressed. So, Mohammed, over to you. Uh, so, one misconception I have in mind is more for early stage startups: is being afraid to include traction in their deck, thinking that it might undermine their chances to to get into an intro call. Um, so, whether it's seed or or pre-seed, um, investors in that stage they know that. Uh, Traction is not uh, so significant. 
So really don't be afraid to include your traction, even, even though it's, it's not significant. So go ahead and include the traction. Um, uh, cause investors in, in, in those stages, uh, they know that you don't have much traction. And another misconception uh, I would touch upon is that um, don't overlook impact uh, because I see that our LPs are asking more and more um, ESG reports. So uh, definitely uh, include impact uh, and don't think that um, the VCs are only looking for returns. They're also looking for impact. Thank you very much for that, um, Mohammed. So don't be afraid to um, include traction when you're raising proceed, even if you're a first-time founder. <laughs> do not be afraid to include that. Always include traction. And do not overlook impacts. LPs are not just focusing on returns, on investments. They're also focusing on ESG impacts. Thank you for that. And... Um, Florence, if at any point in time you can speak, just you can go ahead to interrupt me. I won't mind, so just so I can know that you're back with us. So yes, um, David, um, please go ahead to respond to this question on misconceptions. Um, thank you very much, Mama. Um, thank you very much for your point. Yeah, actually made a lot of sense. Like I took one or two things from there. So, um, and what I'm about to say too is related kind of to what he said, but that probably just a few slight differences. So, um, <clears throat> so one common misconception that I think um, people have is that investors are only interested in the financial return on their investment. Yes, this is a factor. No investor wants to run at cost at the long at the, on the long run. It's all about it is not all about the money, but um, the values and the positive, positive, positive impact um, this has on society. Why this is certainly a factor, I mean the financial return on the investment after a couple of years. Investors are also looking for businesses to align with their values. You know, they're looking for businesses and firms that they can collaborate with to um, impact the society positively. You know, some investors, they are so big on values. They're so big on principles, that um, things that they want to see in society. It's not, it's not just all about the cash. Like, why bring him to the table? How does this improve people's lives? How does it improve people's standard of living? Is that how does it make the world a better place? Even though I'm making money from this, well, how does it make the world a better place? Understand? And how does it give me also benefits me. So I think that's a misconception that investors are really interested in the financial return. Another is that um, especially like lately the, um, there's also a misconception that um, investors are only interested in businesses that are already profitable. And in reality, yes, it's a very good thing and a good signal for a business to be profitable already. Now this is related to the dope sta- um, sorry, the um, growth stage companies that already that have built large traction and probably don't raise a series A to expand. If I put my money there, there's high probability that I'm going to get returns, being that they've already done well and they have a proven track record of like three to five years. But no, in reality, investors are willing to invest in businesses that have the potential for growth and profitability. That's why they're investors. 
they take risk. They see that you've done something with you and you have the potential of becoming big and great in the next couple of years. So they invest in that potential. Not even, not even you, but that potential solution you are trying to bring to the world. So I think that's another thing that if, um, area, um, investors are like, only just profitable businesses. No, they, they, they also take chances. That's why they're investors. They are taking their risk takers. There are also other things, but I'll leave it to those two. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. So I just want to add that, yes, investors are interested in looking at the potential your startup is looking to bring, but they also get to invest in the team, right? And two things that I got from what David said is, one, investors are not just in, interested in financial returns. Yes, they get to look at that, but they're also interested in the value and the positive impact that would come about from like this, um, your startup or what you are building. And the second one is <laughs> you don't have to be profitable to raise. I, I think it's, it's, it's a misconception, but some startup founders have also gotten to understand that in the startup space, a good number of startups are not profitable for a long time. And they are still in business. So not, not being profitable doesn't mean that you're not generating money. You're generating money, but your expenses expenses are still like large. Um, please, my speaker, just help me confirm if what I said is right. <laughs> yes, I, I think what you said is right. Um, but actually, um, during the past few months or few, uh, the past uh, six months, Investors are looking more and more for profit profitability, looking at the the current market conditions. Uh, that being said, um, a startup is usually not profitable uh, after a long period of time. Um, so, just like uh, um, I don't know the the name of the speaker, but just like he said. Um, we need to take risks. Even though the startup is not profitable, yeah. we should go ahead and uh, write checks. So, uh, yeah, that's just my, my two cents. All right. Thank you very much. And I like something you made mention of that in with, because of like the recent conditions in like the space, investors are now looking out for how they can actually make these startups profitable. Thank you for mentioning that. I don't know how I skipped that. And I'm going to mention again, Florence, anytime you come on board, please just speak. Let me know that. Hey, Elton, can you hear me? Oh, you're finally on. <laughs> finally. I can't believe it. So sorry for the delay. Um, just so many combinations of so many things that stop me to be here, but uh, yeah, happy to be here. I can, I can take up the question. Um, yes, please. Yeah, I wish I could ask all the questions, but uh, yeah, let me just take up this one. But I think the other speakers had uh, covered this quite well. What I can add is that what I've realized is that with um, most founders, you have a lot of technical guys. They are very much technical. They know what they are dealing with, whether it's IT, whether it's uh, any other sectors, they are more quite comfortable with what they are doing. The problem comes in when it's time to tell the story. Um, you have this investor straight from the US, uh, first time in Africa, and you're trying to 
no, um, interest him in your idea, in your in your value, so that he can invest in. But because you are very much technical, you re- you spend so much time talking about your app, talking about what you are doing instead of actually selling the story, right? So I think that's what really is really um, missing between the two sides um, most of the time. So I, I think it has already been said, but I just want to emphasize it. If you are able to tell the story in a simple and very concise way, just go ahead. At the end of the day, especially at early stage, people want to invest in you because uh, you have great ideas, but it's because they trust the team, they trust the management, and they trust what you are doing, right? So if you can tell the story and you can sell it very well to the investor, it's going to come in uh, faster than if you are trying to sell to him um, something that is very much technical. And also something that you're going to realize is that most investors, I think it's Mohammed who had mentioned it, are very much agnostic, and they don't have that you know, that technical expertise most of the time that can help them understand what you are doing. So again, that's another reason for you to be very much focused, straight to the point, and sell the story, sell the impact that you're going to be giving away. Um, I hope that makes sense. Thank you. Absolutely, makes sense. Thank you very much. Um, before I go ahead to my next question, I said I was going to, I want to hear your response on that first question. Is there any startup or particular pitch like throughout your journey that really like stood out to you? Yeah. Thank you. Um, the ha- I have a quite an interesting example here. So impact investing is you know very quite popular here, and we have sectors in Africa that I would say are taboo. Things like mining. We know how much mining is practiced in Africa in a very unethical way to say the least. So I find that most most entrepreneurs try to go away from that because impact investors don't want to do anything with mining. You don't want your story to you don't want your company to be quoted in a story somewhere in the in the in the in a big news corporation in the US. So you try to go away for anything that has to do with mining. So a couple of years back, I received a pitch deck from a company that was actually doing mining, right? Um, but was trying yeah. to incorporate some tech aspects to it, um, trying to connect the miners to um, the actual buyers of the of the ore, and also trying to do a bit of uh, processing locally. I found that very interesting, um, and I had the call with them. You know, the usual um, the, the LinkedIn connection that you usually get. Um, so we we had that discussion, and then that's when I realized that. You know, instead of running away from where the impact is, where you can actually have the impact, why don't you try to tackle all those areas that most people are running away from? So, yeah, so try to be very unique in your approach. Don't go for, don't go for things that are very obvious. I think someone had mentioned it. Try to go for things that are very unique, have a different approach to a problem that can actually have a lot of impact uh, in the society. Uh, so like that company that I was doing in mining, we ended up investing in them and they're doing great things. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to try new things. Um, there are so many investors out there that are looking to see your great ideas. So yeah, uh, you're on the move. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for that. And you talked about how investors are shifting away from mining. <laughs> I think I agree with that. I, I think I was on a call on Tuesday with... Um, a Canada, Canadian investor that is actually focused on just mining. His name is Bruce Fair. And we actually talked on this point 
a lot and how it's happening in Africa. Thank you for that, Florence. So uh, my next question here, all of a sudden, kind, kind of like feel a bit boring to me. So I will just keep that and also because of time, actually. So this question I have next is something that um, first founders, first time founders might not be very familiar with. And it's very necessary that they have this knowledge. It's, it has to do with like rejection, right? Because in life, you get a lot of no's, right? And so the question is this, as if you've, if you're like a full-time founder, if you've raised like series A, you might have a better knowledge of how to handle rejection. But for first-time founders, how do you guys advise that they handle rejection from investors and how do they stay motivated to continue seeking funding and also pursuing like what they are building with their startups? So this is the order that I will require responses from my speakers. So we will start with Florence, then go ahead to Ahmad, then Muhammad, then David. So Florence, please, you can go ahead. Yeah, let me come across for all the time I wasn't here. So yeah, um, so um, the company I work for, the, the, the fund that I work for is actually not very much... Um, um, how do you say, it's not early stage, uh, so not a lot of startups. So just to give you also an idea, last year we looked at close to 200 companies and you ended up uh, investing in two companies. So we are mostly focused on growth stage, you know, companies that are more developed. So I can't even imagine the amount of companies that VCs get um, every single day on their tables. Um, I know my colleagues who are here and are from VCs are very quite busy in their everyday life. So Rejection is going to be very normal for all those businesses. Most of them won't get a response or most of them won't get a positive response if you manage to get one. So first thing you must know, um, yeah, rejection has to be, is going to be there and uh, it's going to come a lot. Every time I read about um, um, early, uh, early, early companies or early startups, you know, it's, it's part of their daily life. It's part of what they do. So yeah, just... You have to accept it, you know, accept it. Acceptance is the first step to everything. So accept that you're going to be rejected and that's normal. But instead of looking at it in a negative way, look at it in a way that can build yourself, right? So seek feedback. That's the first thing you do. You know, if you have been rejected by someone, um, you know, ask them what, 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 uh, what did not, not do right, right? Um, sometimes it can be just that the fund is not adequate to what you are doing, right? They might do, be doing something else that is different from um, what you are pursuing. So that's very normal. Um, some, sometimes it can actually be something that you haven't done, uh, something that you haven't pitched, something that you haven't been very specific on, and that will actually help you in the future. So that's the first point I would say. Just seek feedback, and then secondly, work on it. Uh, work on it, look at the feedback they gave you, incorporate it in your deck, incorporated in how you pitch it. Um, yeah, and then learn from success stories also. Look at some of the guys who have made it. Um, there's a lot of examples. There are a lot of examples out there. Every time on LinkedIn, I see someone pitching how they did it. Uh, fans of themselves come and say, you know, this is what we look at. This is what we want to see. So do a lot of research. Do your homework. Do your homework. Know who you are pitching to. Uh, know what they are looking at and try to align your story with that. And then lastly, you're not perfect. You don't know anything. And there are people out there who actually do these things and help you to, to be investor ready. 
So talk to someone, you know, talk to an incubator, talk to um, a transaction advisor, um, listen to uh, Twitter, Twitter spaces like this, get feedback. Um, so yeah, there's a lot you can do. There's a lot of external support you can get. So any 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 form of support that you can get, please get it, because this is a very difficult journey, and rejection is going to come eventually. Um, but sorry, but eventually you are going to be to get investment if you are very much focused and you are very much um, yeah. That's it. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. So if there's anything you're going to take from what Florence said, it's rejection happens, right? And if you, when you get rejected, or if let me use when, right? Because it happens. So it's it's normal. You can learn from it. Um, there is this guy in the VC space. His name I can't remember his name right now, but he talks about how failure is a data point. So that leads to what you said next about getting feedback. And when you get this feedback, actually work on this feedback you've gotten. Learn from success stories. Learn from other people's failures. You can um, do your homework whenever you're getting to like reach out to or connect with investors. So, Ahmad, I took a little bit more time because I noticed you were connecting again. Yeah, sorry, I am having trouble with my connection, but here I am. Okay, I would uh, I would say keep on always perfecting your storytelling uh, with every new rejection. And make sure you get the best from said and see if you can change something about uh, the way you tell your story and the pitch deck that would make the story more appealing and uh, would make it more convincing to investors. Uh, second is investors come with all their preferences. Every in- we have uh, at my startup, we have investors as our client, and every investor is just different from the other. Every investor invests in different industries, different geographies, uh, and they have different risk appetites. So make sure you apply to the investors that are good fit for your startup. A uh, good fit for the stage of development, good fit for the industry and geography and everything. And remain aware of signs that you are applying to the wrong investor. And if so, try to approach a different investor until you land on uh, the right category for uh, your startup. Um, and for motivation, definitely stay close to your customers if you have them. They are the people that are actually accepting your product and using it. And um to have them is to have validation uh, by others and always seek more customers that would get you uh, investors in that would get investors eventually and uh, make sure uh, that you have growing customers and they are not invested yet and yeah that's it yeah thank you very much so perfect your storytelling be aware that investors are different, different investors have different preferences. So no, no, um, even as much as investors get to do like due diligence on you, get to know the investors you are approaching, their preferences, the kind of sectors they go out for more, even though most of them are kind of sector agnostic, it's good to do your assignment before going out to reach out to them. And for motivation, right, you said stay close to your customers. <laughs> Having your customers <laughs> means you have validation. And yes, we'll still come back to this, but because of time, let's just go um, to the next question. So for this next question, I'll start with um, Muhammad, then David, right? So the, the question is this, how do startups ensure that they remain trans- transparent and they build trust between themselves and the investors that want to invest with them? 
even right from the start. So yes, please, uh, Mohammed, then David. Thank you so much for the question. Um, so from the get-go, you need to be honest about your numbers because I see a lot of startups, uh, for instance, for an, an e-commerce startup, they would uh, give you a revenue that's actually their GMV, uh, so that their gross merchandise value, which is uh, the amount that is transacted on uh, on their platform, and it's not representative of their revenue. So just be honest with uh, with uh, your numbers. I think that's really important. And uh, moving forward, when you get to close the deal. Um, um, the relationship between an investor and uh, an entrepreneur is like a is like a marriage. So just like in in a marriage, each partner have expectations about each other. And uh, in the case of a startup uh, investor relationship, those expectations uh, from both parties should be clear from the from the beginning. And uh, for instance, for 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 Savio, we what we sell to to the entrepreneur is basically that uh, we really hands on. We will help them uh, develop their startup, helping them with uh, finding the right talents, uh, helping them connect with large corporates, and also um, something in our thesis is that we help actually startups that are outside of the francophone west african region scale into the region so those are the 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 things that we guarantee kind of to to the startup and also the entrepreneur has to um um have the expectations uh clear for the uh, for the investor um so yeah that's 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 the point that i'm gonna make yeah thank you thank you very much for that so let me just summarize what you said so from the gets go be honest about your number and truthfully in our last twitter spaces like we emphasize these facts a whole lot you give a good example of like an e-commerce platform that instead of actually showing their revenue they're showing their like gmv because obviously that makes it look like they've raised or they've um, generated a whole lot of cash. You talked about um, how it's not just the money that investors get to give you, they get to give you other resources also, right? And your relationship with an investor is more or less like a marriage. So yeah, David, please, would you want to like add something to what he has said? Yes, thank you very much, Jonathan. So um, another way you can... Uh, Sure, just because of time, <laughs> and then we can ensure transparency and trust between you and your investors is by you know being honest, um, and truthful about your business and its progress. You know, now the cash has come in, you guys have executed what you've been you know, planning and all that stuff. You know, now as your business is moving on, as the more as time is going as it's going by, you should be honest about how you guys are doing, how much is yeah. coming in, probably, you know, um, uh, monthly or quarterly, you know, if is a necessary thing for the investor to know, be honest about, to be open. <clears throat> and it also includes, another thing includes um, providing regular updates on 
you know, on your financials, share your business plan, share your strategy. If you are trying to update your business plan and try to like come up with a new strategy, you know, let the investor know. Do you understand? His money is in there. So you are to an extent accountable to him. Understand? And um also share any potential risk or challenges that you're facing or that you might face, you know, in the business is, is another important way of um, ensuring trust. Do you understand? It's just like saying, okay, ah, man, you might have this problem. Probably this this is going to come up, maybe be due to um, economical or the market conditions. But when you are being open about yeah, that, yeah. it means you know you do you are it means you are you are concerned about the investors' money in your business. So yeah. he, you know he trusts you that okay, yes, this guy doesn't want me to lose. So even though he also doesn't want to lose, he wants me to make yeah. something. You understand? So well, he, he means a lot exactly. to investors. Yeah, and finally, finally, having a strong track record of delivering on your promises and achieving the goals that you say you're going to achieve um, um, can go on a lo- can go a long way in building trust with investors. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, even to talk about like the third thing you mentioned about like he- helping investors know the potential risk you're looking to face, right? But to be truthful and honest, if it sounds like it's, it's really not easy. It takes a lot of confidence to let an investor know that you're actually facing this. You might face this risk and because in the end, it might not um, look well on you. So yes, um, um, Florence, I see you unmuted yourself. You can go ahead to, uh, to mention something extra. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add, I think someone had summarized it very well. They said that uh, the relation between an investor and the founder is like a marriage. That's exactly yeah. what it is. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to say, um, I think what have, what usually happens is that an invest, um, the founder doesn't know what to expect from the investor or what to deliver to the investor. So at the beginning, if you manage to align expectations, and you know you know what what to expect whether it's regular reports or regular communication and you know what to do and when to do it i think that's the most important thing once you align on that and you know when once you align on the expectations i think that's going to be key and then the next thing is just being very proactive once you are very proactive and you know every single time reaching out to the investors providing updates on how things are going um, i think i think yeah the relationship is going to go well all right, thank you very much. You you talked about how it's like a marriage and you should be able to manage expectations, what to do and when to do it. So people on here that are, are married, I guess they can relate more with that <laughs> or people that are married like me. <laughs> but thank you very much for that. You talked about being um, proactive. So yes, because of time, and I'm seeing our host, um, Esther, giving me a signal. So let me just go ahead to my last question. So it's actually in line with my previous question I said I was going to come back to. So this time I will start with David and um, Muhammad just because like you didn't talk about that the last time. So if there are like any last advice you have for founders that have reached out to several dozens of investors and they've not gotten the funding they need, it's very stressful. It's... It makes them feel bad. It's, you, you get to wonder if what you're building is like the right product. So yes, if there are like any last advice for um, such founders. So I'll start with Mohammed and go to David. And I know Florent and Ahmad, you've said a few things, but 
you can always like just chip in extra. So Mohammed, please over to you. Yep, thank you so much. I think uh, Florent nailed it. Uh, from a VC perspective, the odds of uh, a startup getting an investments are very, very slim. Um, so really have a passion for the problem you are trying to solve and and conviction about your solution and never be discouraged by, by investors turning you down. Um, yeah, just keep moving forward and keep believing in yourself. Thank you. Thank you for that. David, anything from your end? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> just to keep it short. So I think um, if you've reached out to um, several dozens of investors and haven't been able to secure funding, you know, it might be that you need to re-evaluate your approach. You understand? And there are a few okay. things to consider about that. You know, maybe your pitch, you need to refine it. You know, especially if... Um, and um, let me quickly say this very quickly. If you've been reaching out to investors and, you know, this is just like in relation to the rejections that we spoke about before. And for yeah. instance, if you, yeah, if you reach out to like five investors or 10 or dozens, it's good to note out because some investors, when in their follow-up email, you know, after everything, they, they, they tend to um, write out why they will not be investing in that your business. So it's good to bring these things together and see the similarity in the whys. Do you understand? Like, look out, okay, what is the one thing that has been consistent in the in this rejection follow-up emails or rejection letters I've been getting, rejection emails I've been getting, what's consistent yeah. there? Yeah, note it out and address it. Refine it. Is it the pitch? Is it how, is it your pitch deck? Is it your business plan? You understand? Does it need to align better with the interest of your potential investors? Like, like you need to, you know, do all these things. Take note of it because it's, it's good to listen to Detail is good to be attentive to little, little details like this. You know? So sometimes you just say that you've been rejected by 10 investors, you know, funding, but you don't know there's actually one consistent problem with, you know, that rejection. You know? So you just go to those notes out. And also you can explore other alternative sources of funding. You understand? And um, yeah, so I think um, those are a few things. Also, networking with other entrepreneurs and industry experts to yeah. build relationships is an important you know, stuff and it helps you gain insight in, into the fundraising process. And also, you know, remember fundraising can be very challenging and time consuming, but you need to be persistent and resilient to, you know, you need to be resilient to if you want to become a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, but just keep on refining your approach. Stay focused on the goal. Don't give up. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm David, you should become a motivational speaker. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, Florence, any final words for us? Let us start from your knowledge. Any last message for us? Other than thank you for organizing and sorry for the delay. So, yeah, other than that, yeah, thank you for organizing. But, um, yeah, I think for, for entrepreneurs, what I will say is people invest, uh, sorry, funds invest in people. Um, you know, if if you have the right team and you know you have the right story, um, people are going to invest in you. So work towards that. I think I think that's a key message I think I got from the talk. Work towards that, having a concise and clear story that 
clearly shows the impact. Um, yeah, if you work towards that and have the right team to implement it, um, you're going to get funding. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for that. So yes, our 10 minutes past time, but it was an enlightening discussion for me. I really appreciate um, you guys for joining Florence, um, David, Mohammed, and Ahmad. Although I, Ahmad, <laughs> Ahmad has disconnected. He's a listener now. <laughs> but I know you can hear me. I really do appreciate you joining us today. And thank you, um, everybody, for listening. Have a nice evening or afternoon, depending on where you are. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative, and keep building those dreams. Until next time, bye.